Um, like they don't necessarily have to be inside your house. In fact, some freezers are made specifically, they'll say on them garage ready. So you can put it in, in an unheated garage. And there's one other thing about the freezer, and that's the fuller your freezer is, the more energy efficient it will be. So if it's the start of summer and your freezer is mostly empty, freeze some gallon jugs of water to help take up the space in your freezer, fill up the bottom of your freezer with them so food doesn't get lost. And as the summer progresses and you have to put actual food in the freezer, you can use the jugs in a cooler to keep drinks cold or in a ice chest if you're, say doing a two and a half hour Costco trip. Keep your food cold on the way home. Keep your food cold on the way home. You've pulled them out of the freezer so you have room for whatever you purchased at Costco to go into the freezer. And it's a great way to help keep your freezer efficient coming into summer or in the winter. If you live in an area that goes below zero, like I do, as you gradually empty your freezer, you can use the natural cooling effect of January and February to pre-freeze gallon jugs and slip them in the freezer. Excellent idea. Great tip, Sarah. If growing some of your own food sounds like something you're ready to do right now, I've got the perfect next step for you. My Fill Your Salad Bowl workshop is a concise workshop that will show you how to grow enough greens to fill a salad bowl every day. That's a great first step just to fill a salad bowl. It's not overwhelming and anyone can do it. You can do it even if you don't have any land, even if there's three feet of snow covering your garden, even if you've killed houseplants in the past, and even if you don't think you have a green thumb. Here's what we cover in this workshop. Now remember, it's a concise workshop. It's not gonna take a long time to go through, so everyone's gonna have enough time to do this. You'll learn three different salad green growing methods that you can implement right away. You'll learn the exact methods I use to keep my salad bowl full so I never run out, even if I have unexpected company. You'll also learn where to cut costs and still be successful growing salad greens at home. You'll learn the ideal equipment to use if you want to grow greens faster and easier. The unique pitfalls to avoid with indoor and container growing. You'll learn how to save a crop that goes wrong where to find organic seed at reasonable prices, how to store your seed so it stays viable for years so that you can save money now on bulk seed purchases. And you'll learn the health benefits of sprouts, microgreens and healthy greens and how to optimize these benefits in the way you grow them and the way you store them. We'll also give you 17 ideas for using homegrown salad greens in the kitchen so they never get mundane. If you're ready, to start growing some of your own food and you think salad greens are a great place to start like I do, check the link in the show notes. Now, let's talk a bit about what you need to get started for freezing food for food security. So we're not just talking about going to the store, bringing home the ice cream and the frozen pizza and sticking it in your freezer. We're talking about actually preparing food that maybe you picked up at the farmer's market in bulk or maybe you bought um, somewhere or you grew in your garden for bulk and freezing that for food security for long-term food storage. So the first thing is you need a freezer of some kind and we're not talking about a freezer that's on top or below a fridge, but a dedicated appliance that's used for freezing food. There's two different kinds of freezers you can buy. 
One is called a chest freezer, and you've probably seen them. They kind of look like a big box, and the lid is on the top. And usually they're, they vary in size anywhere from uh, 3.5 cubic feet up to 20 cubic feet. And what we recommend is that you find the one that's best suited for your family size. And we're going to talk a bit about freezer size in a minute. Um, and then the other kind is an upright, and it looks more like a refrigerator. And those ones, uh, the door opens on the side. And when you open it, it looks almost like a refrigerator inside. It's got shelves and some of them come with drawers. And you put the food on the shelf. And those ones, you don't necessarily lose food in the same way that we've been talking about that you might lose in a chest freezer. So two kinds of freezers, a chest freezer and an upright. Upright freezers, they're great if you're going to use the food right away. They do use a little more power than the chest freezers, so they're not as economical power-wise. And that's because when you open your freezer, all of the cold air in the freezer drops because hot air rises, cold air sinks. And so it drops to the floor when you open, so it leaves the freezer. And then when you close it, the freezer has to bring itself back down to temperature again. And so for that reason, especially if you're going to open your freezer a lot, they're not as economical. But one of the benefits of the upright freezer is that the food is very visible. So you're less likely to lose the food. I find that it's much easier to organize. Usually a chest freezer just has one one or two baskets and then everything is kind of chaos. Yeah, it can be it can be chaos and disorganized. Whereas with an upright freezer, you can organize it easily, put all your vegetables on one spot and all your meat on another and much easier to find things. And some of the upright freezers can be converted to a refrigerator or back and forth if necessary. Those are called hybrids. So if you're looking for that, look for a upright freezer that's labeled as a hybrid freezer. Now, the chest freezers are more energy efficient and a little bit more cost effective since when you open them, they don't lose all their cold air to the floor instantly. And they are also usually a little bit cheaper to purchase than an upright freezer. The upright freezers are generally one size. Um, fits all usually about 12, 10 to 12 cubic feet. Whereas the chest freezers, they come in a great variety, anywhere from 3.5 cubic feet, which is a little cube that you can fit in a small space. Um, I have one in my guest bathroom, which w doubles as a change table when my granddaughter visits. And it's great for things that I'm going to use in the next week or so. I will put them in there and save opening the other freezers in my house. I actually have quite a few chest freezers. Then there are larger ones. For instance, if you're going to get a quarter of a, a cow, quarter of a beef, um, you need one that's four cubic feet, which is just a little bigger than that 3.5 cubic foot one that I have in the bathroom. Um, if you're going to have a half a cow, you want an eight cubic foot freezer to hold the cow. Um, if you're going to do a whole cow, you're, you're looking for a 16 cubic foot freezer and, and you can get them as big as 24 to 29 cubic feet. I recommend generally having two, two smaller ones rather than a huge one because there can be some issues with uh, leveling them if they're too big. And if you have an issue with, say, a breaker in the house or something, having the two different freezers on two different breakers can also help make your frozen food stay frozen. Right. And provide you a little security from issues like power surges. 
Now, interesting, I was in the hardware store last week and we were looking for a second small freezer because we're about to do some butchering and um, I needed a way to keep the chickens cold. And the guy in the hardware store told me that if I had an old freezer that was more than 20 years old, that it was a gem and I shouldn't replace it with a new freezer, that the newer freezers aren't made as well as those old freezers. And so that's something to note. If you have access to an older freezer, don't necessarily replace it if it's still working. Or at least if it's still working well. The packaging for freezing is very important because you want to protect your frozen goods from air, basically. And it's the presence of air in freezer containers or bags or packaging that you get from the grocery store that causes freezer burn. So you'll want something like heavy-duty Ziploc bags or sealable freezer containers, or you can also use pasta containers like yogurt containers or cheese containers, anything that is a heavy-duty plastic that can seal properly and that's food safe can be used for storing food in your freezer. You can also use glass jars, but they will be a little bit more bulky than some of the bags. Say, one-quart Ziploc bags are my personal favorite for freezing fruits, vegetables, and even sometimes sauces. And then I would recommend using a Sharpie uh, permanent marker to label and date your food packaging so that you know what's in the package and what month it was put in the freezer. Avoid using ballpoint pens or non-permanent markers as the moisture levels in the freezer can cause those to fade out or become erased. And speaking from experience, it can be very confusing to see a package that just has the date still visible but the food type was removed and you're wondering if it's some type of meat because it sort of looks purple, but in reality it was purple cauliflower. I was going to say, you also want to avoid tape. They make what's called freezer tape and I found those to be very unreliable. They tend to get moist and then fall off the package and you're stuck with a package and you think you're going to know what it is, but when you actually, you know, look at it six months from now, you'll be asking yourself, well, is that blueberries or is it Saskatoon's or maybe it's uh, pearl onions? Especially after it starts getting a little bit of the crystallining happening from the freezer. That's right. So you want to make sure that your labels are really good in the freezer, especially because once you thaw something, you're going to have to eat it. So you don't want to, to think you have blueberries and it turn out to be baby onions. And another thing is if you're freezing meat from, say, the grocery store or vegetables from the grocery store, changing the packaging, it can be a very good idea. Or say you have one of those really big bulk bags of frozen vegetables, packaging it into smaller um, sealed packages can be a very good idea, especially in like single serving or single meal sizes, because then you don't have to deal with a giant block of frozen veggies that won't break apart in a couple of months. Right. Ask me how I know that one. Right. Sarah has lots of experience with freezer failures, and so do I. So Sarah mentioned rewrapping grocery store food. Another thing that's really great to do that can extend the shelf life of your freezer food is to double wrap or vacuum seal 
your bags. If you remove that air, it's the air in the bag that's actually causing freezer burn and can cause degrading of food. So to vacuum seal, and all you need for that is a vacuum sealer and the plastic bags that come with a vacuum sealer. Uh, just to extend the shelf life of your freezer food. Now, freezer burned food is still safe to eat. It's not that it goes bad if it's freezer burned, but it does change the texture somewhat. So if you have like, for instance, chicken breasts and they're starting to show some signs of freezer burn, they're going to have a little bit of an off flavor that's not dangerous, but um, the texture will be a little more chewy, a little more leathery. I find the freezer burn usually seems to indicate that it's like dried out a bit. Yeah, from the oxygen. So I like turning anything that has a bit of freezer burn into something that's a heavily spiced and heavily sauce dish, like butter chicken or curry yeah. chicken. That's what I do too. So sauces and spices. Awesome. Um, but just know that if it's freezer burned, it's not bad. It's just that it's going to be a little different. And you want to use that freezer burned food as quickly as possible rather than push it to the side because you're seeing that it's not good and ignoring it a little longer. We're going to shift gears here and talk about how to preserve your garden fresh food. As you're getting vegetables coming in from the garden, the freezer is a really great way to preserve them because you're often dealing with small bits of food at a time, maybe too much for a meal, but not enough to put through a canner or water bath can. So fresh vegetables should be blanched. And what blanching is, is it's basically putting the vegetable into a steam or putting it into boiling water just until the enzymes have been killed. Often the food will change color to a, say broccoli will go bright green um, and then plunging it into cold water or ice water to stop the cooking process. That's called blanching. And most fresh vegetables should be blanched before freezing because that stops the enz enzymatic action that breaks down the food. If you're wondering whether you should blanch a vegetable or not, think about whether you eat it raw or if you eat it cooked. If you eat it cooked, it should be blanched. If you eat it raw, you can sometimes get away without blanching it. And there's some things that I never blanch, like I never blanch onions, um, I never blanch peppers, but for sure I would blanch things like cabbage because if you don't blanch things like cabbage and broccoli, they don't even smell nice when you take them out of the freezer. They smell really sulfury and you won't want to eat them. So for sure, anything in the cabbage family, make sure you blanch it before you freeze it. And you don't need to blanch herbs. No, definitely not. Also, meat doesn't have to be blanched. We're just talking vegetables. So fruits, meats, um, fats, they don't have to be blanched before you freeze them. Just vegetables because vegetables have enzymes on them that basically start the rot process. And so you want to stop that so that it doesn't happen. And it's usually the tough and hard to chew vegetables that need blanching, like cabbage. The other thing that blanching does is it stops the starches or the sugars in the vegetable from turning to starch. That's another enzymatic action. So with sweet corn, the sooner it's blanched, the sweeter the corn is in processing. And it can taste just like fresh corn when you pull it out of the freezer if you blanch it quite quickly after picking. Now, if you're... Planning on freezing a large amount of food at the same time, like I recently did freezing 20 pounds of blueberries, then you should spread out the bags of fruit or vegetables or meat over the um, space that is in your freezer and try not to stack new food together in a pile 
but try to spread it out as much as possible so that the air of the freezer and just the freezer itself can effectively and efficiently freeze the new food that's been introduced. Good idea. Good idea. And then, especially if you're using a chest freezer, try and keep an inventory of what you have in the freezer. That could be how many bags of corn you have, how many bags of tomatoes or fruit. Know for sure that you have chicken, blueberries, steak, and sweet corn in the freezer, but you don't have a note of how many bags. Just try and keep some type of record that tells you what you have in the freezer so that you can make sure to use it up before it starts getting freezer burn or crystallizing. And if you have more than one freezer, you can even organize it so that you have like all your chicken in one freezer, all your blueberries and vegetables in another freezer, just so you can keep track. So you might freeze them in separate freezers to spread them out, but then gather them up and to organize them and store them for long term in a way that you can remember where you put them. Now, if you're freezing something like strawberries or blueberries, or something else that you may want to just take a few of for, say, a smoothie or a drink or a snack, a really good idea is to put some parchment paper on a cookie sheet or baking tray and put your washed vegetables onto that tray and freeze them on the tray. Then in 12 to 24 hours after you put them in the freezer, pull them off and put them into your freezer bag, label, date, and return them to the freezer. And that freezer bag should stay loose with the food freeable for several months, usually at least six months before it starts getting some ice crystals that can reduce the freeability of the food. So pre-freezing is a great idea for things like lemon slices and strawberries that you might want to pull just a few out for a drink or for a smoothie or for dinner, as the case may be. So anything you might just want to grab three or four of pre-freeze on a cookie sheet, then transfer to your proper freezer container. By the way, lemon slices work really, really well as uh, replacement ice cubes for summer iced tea, if you freeze them first. That sounds yummy. And frozen grapes work really well to chill wine. If you're just getting started thinking about using herbs to make something so that you can feel better and start to tap into the natural wellness. I've got the perfect course for you. My course, the Inspiring Botanical Drinks Mixers and Elixirs course. In this video course, you'll learn how to make healthy beverages that will help you break away from sodas and sugary drinks or plain boring water. Even if you have a two or three soda a day habit, even if the kids are home and you keep running out of ice and ideas, Even if you struggle to get enough fluids in your body because of the heat. Even if you are watching your macros, your carbs, or your waistline. Even if you have food sensitivities or allergies. And even if the rising price of food and drink has you making tough decisions about where to cut costs. If you are making more food at home and watching your budget, but go to the same bottled beverages day in and day out, this class will inspire you to up your game in the beverage category with healthy and creative options that are also kind to your budget. So have a look at the inspiring botanical drinks, mixers and elixirs class. You'll find the link in the show notes. Now, 
there is a possibility with a freezer that you might have a power outage. And if you have a power outage, you haven't necessarily lost all the food in your freezer. Generally speaking, a freezer that hasn't been opened, that's kept closed, is well insulated. And um, even if it's in the middle of your house and it's fairly warm, it should last for at least 48 hours. How you can tell if the food is still good if you've had a power outage is that if there's still ice crystals in the food, it's safe to refreeze them. If the ice crystals are gone and the food is warm, then you don't want to refreeze it. You might move it quickly into some canning jars and can it, or you might have to throw out your food. And if you have a household insurance, your freezer loss might be covered on your household insurance. If you are planning on going away for a couple of weeks for a vacation or something, there is a very simple trick that you can use to double check if your freezer remained frozen while you were gone. And to do it, you would take a small cup or a small freezer safe container, fill it with water and put it in your freezer. After 12 to 24 hours when it's nice and solidly frozen, you, and maybe even just the morning before you leave, you put a coin like a penny or a quarter on top of that thing of water. And if you come back and the coin is at the bottom of the container that was frozen, you know that your freezer completely thawed. If it's only partially under a little bit of ice or maybe a quarter of the way down the cup or something, you know that your freezer did not completely thaw, but it did thaw a little bit. So you did have a power outage while you were gone. And of course, if you come back and the frozen water is in the cup and the coin is on the very top. There was no power outage and you have nothing to worry about. Yep. So that's just a little bit of peace of mind if you go away and you have left a freezer full of food. And another thing is if say the coin is only a little bit down so you know that there was only a little bit of thawing, the main thing that is going to be affected is high sugar foods like fruits or ice creams and things like that. So those are what you would want to check for um, an off texture, ice crystals, or other structural differences that would indicate they had partially thawed and refrozen. Whereas your meat or your vegetables that are low sugar probably remain solidly frozen if it was only a little bit of an effect on the coin and cup of ice. And, and if you had that kind of effect, most likely your food is still safe. It might have a change in texture or a change in flavor, but it's still safe to eat. So you just want to use that up quickly and uh, replace it with fresh food as you have a chance. The other thing that is really helpful is to get a freezer alarm or to buy um, a freezer with an integrated freezer alarm because often your freezer is something that you don't check all the time. And I personally have lost twice. I have lost everything in my freezer because the freezer malfunctioned and just stopped working and the food inside had thawed and I didn't know because I hadn't gone in the freezer for a while. And so it's really good to have that uh, freezer alarm to tell you something's wrong because that gives you a chance to either make a correction and get it working again or transfer all the food into a different freezer so you don't lose it. Now we mentioned earlier in this episode that we were going to be talking about the rule of three or as I like calling it having a backup plan for your backup plan. That's right. It's really important pretty much with any kind of preparation that is that your life depends on like food, 
um, shelter and that kind of thing that you have a backup plan in case what you're doing malfunctions. So in the case of food preservation, we like to say that you should have three different ways to preserve food and we call it the rule of three. Most people tend to only use one method of food preservation and the default in our society seems to be the freezer. But as we've mentioned already, good possibilities that at some point in your life, your freezer is going to malfunction and you're going to lose the food in it. So it's really great to have another method of food preservation that you've also been using at the same time so that you have a backup. That happened to me a couple years ago. We replaced some of our our tried and true old freezers, thinking that just because they were old, we should replace them in case they failed someday. Um, And the brand new freezer that we bought to replace them actually never worked. But we didn't know it because when we plugged it in, it was the middle of winter, it was in our carport, so everything was frozen outside. And it seemed like it was working to us, but it turned out that it was actually not wired properly and never worked. And we didn't discover the problem until February when we started to get days that were above zero. And uh, we went out to the freezer and the food that we thought was supposed to be frozen wasn't frozen. And uh, when we had the the uh, repairman come out, he, he did his little test with wires and said, well, this has never worked. And it was our brand new freezer. Now, it was under warranty, um, so the freezer was replaced. The new one worked perfectly, but we lost all the food that was in that freezer that we had put in it. And And that was all your garden produce from the previous year. It was all the garden produce. I was grateful that we didn't have a side of beef in it. We didn't have any chicken in it. We just had all of the vegetables that I had put by from the garden. And so um, we learned from that, that it's really, I had gotten lazy and uh, thinking, well, now it's just my husband and I, all my children have left home. And so I would just use the freezer to preserve our food instead of canning and instead of dehydrating, like I had done previous years. And so I learned my lesson. And uh, now I make sure that I have some food that's dehydrated, some food that's canned and some food that is in the freezer. And so we're just passing that wisdom on to you that we've gained from experience. Now, while most people tend to use just one method of food preservation, it is really easy to add in a secondary method of food preservation. If you think about what you buy from the grocery store, you may be buying goods that are canned or goods that are dehydrated already as part of your normal grocery shopping. So if you have only used freezing food up to this point, I'd like to challenge you to add in a new method of food preservation this year. And personally, I would recommend adding in dehydrating because it gives you around a five-year lifespan on the food you preserve. So it is a really great way to add in some serious longevity to your food storage without adding a ton of extra work or a ton of extra storage space A dehydrator does not use a ton of electricity, so it's really easy to run. It doesn't take long to fill a dehydrator. I filled my dehydrator with zucchini in about 20 minutes flat, just washing it and chopping it up. And just as an example, one full dehydrator of zucchini is about six large, well, medium size in my mind, uh, zucchinis from the farmer's market. And those zucchinis fresh would take up about four one liter Ziploc bags in my freezer, maybe even four to six one liter Ziploc bags. And once it's dehydrated, that one dehydrator load will fit into two one liter Ziploc bags. 
if we're going to use dehydrating as an example, when you're putting food by for dehydrating, you're going to blanch it just like you would for the freezer. So there's no reason why you can't, um, say you're doing corn, you can't put some in the freezer and put some in the dehydrator at the same time. You're already chopping, you're already blanching. You can fill dehydrator trays and fill freezer bags and have that backup plan right away without any, really any extra work. And we recently did an episode of the podcast that was focused on dehydrating. So if you would like to listen to that episode as well, you can get more information about dehydrating. Or you can check out one of the blog posts on Joyably Farm that is called Dehydrating Food for Nutrition, Economy, and Food Security. And both of those are great resources for learning how to get started with dehydrating. If you would like to add that food preservation method to your food security checklist. And if you're interested in dehydrating, I have a cookbook. There will be a link for it in the show notes. And it is the Dehydrating Cookbook for Beginners by Christelle Zell. Thank you, Sarah. So in this episode, we talked about the importance of freezing food for food security and using it as a food preservation method. Um, In the next episode... Interrupting human. One other thing about freezing is if you've frozen a lot of fruits, especially, you can turn them into a fruit sauce and then dehydrate them into absolutely delicious fruit leather. And it is an awesome way to use up frozen fruit, or you can even make veggie leather if you want to. So it's an awesome way to use up some of your frozen items is transferring them from the freezer to the dehydrator so that you can increase your variety in your food storage and also free up your freezer for this season's harvest. End of interrupting human. How can I top that? That was fantastic advice. Great tip. Great tip. So we've been talking about freezing food for food security and Sarah's shared some great tips that she does herself very successfully. And uh, we have one thing we want you to take away from this. If you have a freezer, deep freezer, or even on the top of your fridge or the bottom of your fridge or a chest freezer, we want you to take an inventory of what you currently have in your freezer. Lots of people just stick the food in the freezer and never actually make a list of what's in there like I do. Um, So this is a great opportunity for you to get a piece of paper and make a list of what's in your freezer. And then also make a note of what should be used up quickly so that food doesn't go to waste. And if you have a lot of fruits or vegetables and you'd like to make fruit leather with your dehydrator, follow Sarah's advice because that's a great tip. Thank you, Sarah for joining me today and for your great tips and thank you listeners for listening and as always if you enjoyed this episode please share with your friends so that we can get the word out about how to preserve food for food security and also please like share and subscribe talk to you soon